0: Guess what, cinephiles? I have just heard something absolutely mind-blowing. Okay, so you know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a tiny fraction of what Netflix actually has. Netflix actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only like 6,000 of those are available in the U.S. So you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows, unless you use ExpressVPN.
1: Yeah, Steve, ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location. So, like, for example, if you're looking for stuff that's from another country, you're based here in the United States, you can actually change your online location to Australia or the UK so you can control where you want Netflix to think you're located. They have over 100 different locations. They are on ExpressVPN, so you can, you can get access to, like, thousands of of new shows no matter where you live. And this works with many other streaming services too there. You guys have Disney Plus or Hulu or Max or the BBC iPlayer, which is the one I use. I know I've used ExpressVPN to connect to Australia because I really love this show called Have You Been Paying Attention? I just put myself in Melbourne and I get access to it. You sign up using your email, but you immediately get access to this stuff. I've used the BBC iPlayer to watch a number of shows. there on the BBC like Law & Order UK and others. And sometimes this show Guilty that I love that uh, screens there, when the new seasons pop up, because it takes like four months to get them on PBS, I watch them there using Express VPN. And it's
0: incredible how easy it is and how simple it is to use. So why should you use ExpressVPN? Well, first of all, it is super fast. That means you can stream everything in HD with no buffering. It works on any device. So I'm an Apple guy, which means I've already installed it on my Mac, on my iPhone, on my iPad, and on my Apple TV. I'd install it on my Apple Watch if I could, and it encrypts your data. Now, this is hugely important because it protects your privacy and your security to keep you safe from hackers. So stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with Express VPN. We got them to give you guys three extra months of free use when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash cinephiles. That's e s s vpn.com/slash slash C-I-N-E-F-I-L-E S, to get three extra months completely free. <laughs> Hello and welcome once again to the Cinephiles. My name is Steve Morris. I am a filmmaker and directing instructor in Los Angeles, California.
1: Hello, everyone. My name is Sean Roke. I'm a writer, producer, and host now in San Diego, California, but by way of Los Angeles, California.
0: And in honor of Ned Beatty, who we are discussing all week, we are going back to the very, very, very beginnings of the Cinephiles in one of our earliest episodes. And in order to talk about it, we have brought back one of our favorite guests on The Cinephiles, who was on. He was our very first guest, and that is Michael Vogel. Welcome back to The Cinephiles.
2: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, as always.
0: (laughs) And the film we were talking about is Superman. And it was when we were, we didn't even know what the show was going to be. And at the very beginning, we went, we want to have a guest. We want to have Michael. And we went, let's do Superman, and we didn't really even know what we were doing. And I think it's one of those shows that helped us slowly start to figure this thing out. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, Michael, we've we talked about Deliverance and Ned Bailey's performance there. We Woo! talked about Chilling. Net- Chilling. Net- yes. Then mm-hmm. Network and his performance there. So we go from this person who's, you know, horrible, horrible things happen in, in, in Deliverance to the incredibly powerful character of Arthur Jensen. He plays in Network. And
2: now, Otis. <laughs> Otis. What do you uh, think about this actor? Just based on what you just said, man had some range. Right? Uh, he, you know, I I always liked Ned Beatty. Ned Beatty is one of those guys, and I, and this is going to come across probably sounding not good like or bad, but he was the guy who was always the actor that you recognize, at least growing up. I recognized him, but he wasn't like the big actor that I looked up to as I was becoming like obsessed with Hollywood, like Ned Beatty was never the top of your list when you're talking about the Pacinos and the De Niro's and no, everybody else, no. but anything mm-hmm. you see Ned Beatty in, he was always great. And he was so different in everything he did. Um, you know, everything up to like later on in his career playing, um, Lotso in Toy Story three, which I thought mm. was a great. Oh. Uh, probably, probably one of my favorite performances that he had, but, um, and I think in Superman, particularly, it's great because look, we've talked. I mean, I know that John and I have talked about this on Geek Buddies, and it's come up a lot when you compare the different versions of Superman. And definitely, the uh, the, the Donner Superman is uh, more purposefully uh, cartoony and comic booky, and that is no, nowhere more uh, pronounced than in the Gene Hackman portrayal of Lex Luthor, along with Otis. Uh, they are almost Looney Tunes esque in their comic relief of this movie, and uh, and Eddie plays a great idiot.
0: He really he really <laughs> does. It's amazing that he could go from network and have so much power and be so brilliant and articulate. To and he just jumps in with both feet. And Otis is. I and it's funny. I remember when we talked about this years and years ago. It is divisive. This art, do you accept the ridiculousness of Lex Luthor and Otis, or <laughs> is it go too far? What, what do you think, John? No, I, I, I
1: love, uh, and this is why you cast someone like Ned Beatty right? and Gene Hackman, by the way, you know, for all the. Conversations about superhero movies and all that kind of thing. There was this real um, decision by Richard Donner, by the studio, to cast these very good actors who had spent the 70s essentially uh, creating a belief amongst the moviegoers that these were serious actors yeah. of Oscar caliber potential. Uh, and so to have them step into this film, it immediately gave the film more weight, more gravitas, more of a grounding uh, overall. And you trusted this wasn't going to be some goofy superhero movie, that there were going to be some real moments. And so even amidst the humor of Otis, Otis Berg, even amidst the humor of all of that, that's why you cast these incredible actors, because they understand how to play the humor, not for caricature, but for uh, reality. And it, may, it helps you connect to them even more. And look, Hackman's Lex Luthor is one of the most unusual Lex Luthor portrayals you're ever going to see. Uh, but it's countered by Ned Beatty's fantastic performance as Otis. He is a bumbling oaf, but he's not one of these people that turns into caricature because you have such a great actor behind
2: it. Well, and I'll, I mean, look, I will say like the Lex Luthor portrayal of Donner Superman is definitely not my favorite part of the Mm. movie uh, growing up. But I think for what it is, and I think John is right, like, it is a choice. It -hmm. is not necessarily my favorite choice, but once they made the choice, if that's the choice you're doing, they did it 100%. Like, for what they chose to do, it works really, really well. And the reason you even have an Otis is because uh, Lex Luthor all by himself, monologuing, really not that interesting. As good as Gene Hackman is, him just standing around and saying, I'm going to go get this Superman guy to nobody in particular would be pretty boring. And yeah. having the guy who thinks he's the smartest man in the room, have his only helper be by far the dumbest man in the room and have him just throughout the entire movie, just be so put upon and like, Oh God, it's so hard to find good help. It is, it literally is like Looney Tunes 101. It is right out of a cartoon care, uh, a cartoon, But like I said, it works well. And I think John is right that if they had said, oh, these are two throwaway characters, let's just cast whoever, it Mm -hmm. probably would have fallen on its face. Mm -hmm. You kind of needed two actors this good to play this silly.
0: Right. I I think, Mike, what you say is so important, which is the difference between what choice would I make and how well was the choice executed, is that I think uh, Gene Hackman and Ned Beatty got the script, And they went, this is what is required. Mm -hmm. And if you listen to their timing and their rhythm together, and it is they're awesome they are mm-hmm. so good and i love the otis music and it just puts you in yeah. this like we're in this goofy <laughs> world and i i i'm with you i would this wouldn't be my choice either and it and this goes to sort of the broader conversation that is we've been having forever about dc and about superman and about the the warner brothers movies is that and i finally kind of put it into place which is i actually don't think superman 78 is a perfect film at all in fact i, I think know. there's a lot of Of flaws with it. What I think is perfect is that they nailed the character of Superman. And there is a feeling within Mm. the film that nobody has ever reached. And like, you think of like, to me, the height of that film for me is the first montage of Superman's uh, appearance in Metropolis. Mm. Like that whole, it's like, that's Superman to me. Like they, that's done so well when you get into like the real estate plan and the nuclear bombs and like all that stuff it's like, wait, what's going on? Going back in time. Lots of problems there.
2: Oh but yeah. Superman I, isn't. I think, well, I think it's two things though. Uh, Cause I think you are right. I think that they nailed the character of Superman and they cast the perfect Superman, but I think yeah. they did the same thing with Lois Lane. 100%, I, think, 100% I, think the, I think that um, the harder thing. And when you look at other iterations of Superman, whether it be on, Television, in animation, in other movies, the Snyder movies, everything else. Uh, Margot Kidder, like it, it is the quintessential lowest lane. It is the lowest mm-hmm. lane by which all other lowest lanes are measured because there was <laughs> at the same there. She managed to have this vulnerability, brassiness, ridiculousness, arrogance that all balanced each other out in the perfect way, and. Was the perfect thing for Christopher Reeves, Superman, and Christopher Reeves, Clark Kent to bounce off of.
1: Yeah. And by the way, just to circle back to Ned, don't forget that Ned Beatty has a couple of menacing. Moments, And certainly for all his oafishness or whatever, remember how he tricks that guy who was following him into getting run over by a train. And there is a look on his face when it's happening that is almost a a joy or an evil glee that he's been able to, because he kind of plays up that thing of him being a little bit oafish for uh, his benefit when it serves him. So always having that bubbling uh, undercurrent of
0: danger, that's why you cast these actors, because they can play those moments really well. I, I I think the – what just occurred to me is I think Christopher Reeve and uh, Margot Kidder are to Superman and Lois Lane as Robert Downey Jr. is to Iron Man. I think you just can't sure. – they're, they're so iconic in those roles that everything going forward has to think about them, you know? Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, and also just because it's kind of top of mind because it uh, was on social media this week, similarly – or not similarly, it's oddly, the way people are reacting to those images of Michael Keaton as, oh, yeah. uh, as, as Batman in the new Flash movie that have been released and the, the joy and glee that people are having, like Batman's a different character and there's uh, than Superman is insofar as there's been a lot of Batmans in film. There have been a lot of Batmans. Pick your favorite. Is it Bale? Is it Batfleck? Will it be Robert Pattinson? But there's something about seeing Michael Keaton be Bruce Wayne that gets people so excited uh, in a way that speaks to me in the way that we're talking about Christopher Reeve, that somehow Michael Keaton of all people sort of inhabited this role for an entire generation of people in a way that nobody else quite did. And I think it's the same with uh, most, with, with the main characters of the Donner superman. Hmm.
0: I, I think what's really interesting. I think, you know, I've said it many times before is that I don't think that the casting, the person playing Batman has ever been the problem. In any mm-hmm. of the Batman, any of the movies in which he appears, I think they all had the potential to be good Batmans. Mm. I think Michael Keaton is by far the best Bruce Wayne. Okay, yeah. He he, because because his Bruce, because like with Christian Bale, it was like Bruce Wayne is a person he was pretending to be, but it wasn't that important until mm-hmm. he could be Batman. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas Michael Keaton, you could there was so much going on with him in the way that he played Bruce Wayne. You yeah. Know? Mm
2: -hmm. no i Um, think that's true i think that's true yep
0: um so i listen this is back way at the beginning of the cinephiles this is i think our third episode it's an episode where we didn't go in order particularly (laughs) i didn't understand how to edit the show at the time but we did have an absolutely fantastic conversation about a movie that we all loved so without further ado i'm very happy to take you back to 2016 the beginnings of the cinephiles and our podcast on richard donner's superman hello and welcome once again to the cinephiles where each week we enter the world of a classic film and explore its themes history the filmmaking and the influence it has on films today. Uh, my name is Steve Morris. I'm a uh, filmmaker and directing teacher in Los Angeles, California.
1: Hey, I'm John Roca. I'm an actor and VO artist here in Los Angeles, California.
0: And host of shows. Of a myriad a of myriad podcasts. of shows, yes. And uh, today, for the first time on The Cinephiles, we have a very special guest. Our first guest. Uh, Mike Vogel is an uh, animation executive and expert who started at Sony TV Animation where he developed Spider-Man. Moved on to Hasbro where he oversaw... Such properties as the Transformers, G.I. Joe, and of course the unbelievably and wildly successful My Little Pony, which he's also been a producer
2: and a writer for. Mike, welcome to the Cinephiles. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here with you boys. <laughs> yes. and, uh, for, and from what I understand, this is your first podcast. Yeah, this so, is my first time actually doing a podcast. Longtime listener, first time podcaster. <laughs> is that is that the way I should say it? Are Absolutely. you in fact a longtime listener? Uh no. <laughs> so you've begun your first podcast with a lie. <laughs> God, you know, this is really getting off to a terrible start, <laughs> this guys. Is really... This is really a tough show, especially it's since a... we're talking about Superman today. I feel like I really just got off on the wrong foot by by not being honest. So, 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 uh, Mike is what Mike is now uh,
0: uh, uh, buried the lead on our <laughs> film this today is it's Superman, yes, the original Christopher Reeve Superman, and yeah. and uh, w- when we originally talked, we knew we wanted to have Mike on the show, yeah. and we were originally talking about doing an animation uh, feature, which. Obviously, he's an expert on, and there's no question that we're going to do that in the future. Mm-hmm. But as we started thinking about it, we thought, knowing Mike, that uh, the original Superman would be a great choice. And I wanted to ask you, what's your what's your personal relationship to the character of Superman?
2: Uh, you know, I think that um, it's actually really funny. A lot of people know me as sort of a comic book guy, but growing up, I wasn't really a comic book guy. I was more into animation. It wasn't until kind of college uh, where I kind of dove into comic books and kind of did the same thing everybody did. You know, you kind of get enamored of Batman, you get really into X-Men, you know, there's all of the Marvel Universe and all the struggles, and you kind of overlook Superman because he seems kind of like your dad's superhero. He's kind of classic and goofy and he's a Boy Scout. But once I actually started reading some Superman comics, I realized that, uh, I don't want to say I related to him because it makes me think that I think very highly of myself, but I kind of uh, realized that... There was something about him that I was really drawn to, and he kind of became my favorite of all the superheroes, which is a constant argument that you get into when people ask, why is Superman your favorite? And I think why I wanted to come on today uh, and talk about the movie is I think that the reason that the original Superman is so lasting and is such a hard act to follow with any other post-Superman films is because of the stuff that I like about him.
0: That's right. John, how did you come to the first Superman oh, movie? My parents took me to see it in the
1: theater. Uh, I remember seeing it and just being completely in love with the film. Because at that age, you know, when you were a child, I was like, I don't know, I was like 10, 8 or 9, 10, something like that. Whenever they took me, you're just lost in the joy of the film. And it it hit at the perfect age where I could be like, as a child... I want to be that. I want to fly like that. I want to have a romance, like oh, this romance, like even the romance. I remember being like, wow, this is so amazing. All of it. I don't know about that. Yeah. Okay. There is such a. There is such a. (laughs) By the way, if
0: this were video, you would see the shocked look on Mike Vogel's face right now.
2: You don't know about the romance. We'll get into that in a minute.
0: (laughs) Well, there was the magic of the film
1: too, because his 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 outfit has these bright colors, and even the beginning, you have this sense of the feeling of being outside of the norm outside of the mainstream he's picked on by the cooler kids at you know with the football stuff in high school I always felt that way, even as a child, being a Latino child in a, in a predominantly white uh, area where I was at the time, being heavier than everyone else, having a bold haircut. Like, it just, for me, there was a lot of things that made me feel like an outsider. And to see him succeeding in that way, you're like, that's what I would like to be. That's what I aspire to be. And they didn't make it in a way that was, they didn't present him in a way that was untouchable or unattainable, which I loved. And were you a comic book guy before seeing well, Superman? Not before seeing Superman. I guess I'd read, him, I'd read stuff in the, like the papers, mm-hmm. you know, or you'd get that occasional comic where my dad or my mom might buy something for five or ten cents back then and, you know, like, oh, read this, read this. So I, would, I knew about him, but I wasn't any kind of collector, not until I hit uh, 15 or 16 when I started collecting seriously.
2: And Mike, did you, do you remember when you first saw it? Uh, I saw Superman when I was a kid, but I saw it so young that I think the only thing I remember is that Gene Hackman had a
0: toupee.
2: (laughs) I I think that was really the only thing I really took away from it. And, you know, kind of like some of the best uh, superhero stories in general, uh, you know, you kind of come back to it when you're a little bit older. And you remember, I mean, to, yeah. John, to John's point, yeah, you remember Superman's costume. You remember Christopher Reeve. You remember those iconic yeah. things. But you come back and watch it when you're a little bit older and it's sort of like a treasure trove of things that you didn't get when you were a kid and kind of deeper meaning. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, as we all kind of go on this journey of life and you're figuring things out, when you're a kid, you're like, that's awesome. I want to fly. Yeah. When you get older and you're dealing with older person issues that you deal with in your life, you start to understand what the superhero mythos is really about and that the flying and the tights and the capes are cool, but that there's an underlying sort of a, Morality and kind of yeah. ethical code and kind of different things that you start to draw from at least I do like that yeah. That really is the reason that Superman resonates with me so much. Uh, absolutely. It's interesting uh, which I hadn't thought about but all three of us came to this very differently mm. uh,
0: because uh, for me uh, My dad when he was a kid collected Superman and Batman comics, so that's super late 40s early 50s mm. And he had boxes of them and Ooh, the day that he went to high school his mom took all of his comics and threw them away. Blasphemy. Oh. Because she felt it was time for him to become a grown-up. Mm. And my dad never forgave her. And so when I was a little kid, I was brought Superman comics. Oh wow. From the age of 4 or 5 and they were really my fun with Dick and Jane. You know, they were mm-hmm. like how I learned to read. Mm-hmm. Was It was not C spot, run or anything. It was Superman comics. Right. And anytime I was sick, dad would bring home Superman comics. So they were, at a very young age, really, really associated. And, and when my other friends, who who I later met people that were into comics, they were into Marvel comics. Because at the time I grew up, DC comics were fairly bad. Yeah. And the Marvel comics were a lot better. So and yet, a lot like right now. <laughs> all right. Um, so So... So I was really, I loved Superman. Like, he was my favorite. He was my hero. So when the movie came out in 78, I was 10 years old. My whole family went and lined up on opening night. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing it. And, and we have to remind the audience, because we live in today where comic book movies are the most prevalent movies there are. Yeah. This is really the first one. There was a kind of Batman movie in the mid-60s. But, but really, this is, at this point, there are no comic book movies. Right. When I was a kid, the teacher would confiscate your comic books. Comic books were treated as a childish thing. Mm-hmm. You were not cool to read comic books. I was beaten up and thrown in a garbage can and my comic books torn up in front of me when I was a little wow. kid. Like that's how comic books are treated. Wow. So for me to go to a movie and see this thing in a crowded theater yeah. was transformative mm-hmm. for me. Uh, at the time. Absolutely. And we can't go forward
1: without mentioning the TV series that was in syndication. Oh, I watched it constantly. Yeah, with George Reeves as, uh, as, uh, as Superman. That was what you supplemented your reading the comic books or seeing the strips because they, they used to have, I think, little strips in the back. Yeah, there was in the newspaper. Yeah. There was an in, so you, you, would, you would see that. And so you'd have that. Then the Christopher Reeves. So there, it, the, the main superhero prevalent in my life growing up was Superman. It wasn't until I hit my teenage years that Batman showed up. And that was in Dark Knight Returns. So I had to go back and discover Batman after
0: after that. So, uh, so let's talk. Let's go start talking about the film. Yes. Uh, I- interestingly enough, it was a it was a negative pickup, which means that a studio says, "Well, if you guys go make it and raise the money, we'll distribute it." Uh, so some outside producers start making it, wow. and they put a lot of money into this movie, particularly for Marlon Brando, who plays Jor-el, mm-hmm. gets paid three point five million dollars for 2 weeks work. Mhm. Most money ever
2: paid to an actor at that time. How do you feel about Brando in this movie? I really just love how he says Kalel's name. <laughs> Kalel, Kalel, and Krypton, Krypton, Krypton. It's like it's the thing that always just irks me. Uh you know, I think it's an interesting thing. Uh He's, he's a lot of a lot it's not how I'd necessarily picture Jor-El yeah. yet it's such an iconic performance and it's so sort of part and parcel with the movie that you yeah. can't pull away I remember when um, was it uh, was it the Man of Steel trailer where they kind of quoted the Jor-El or like, yes. you know where like, he's like any time whether it be that or in uh, Superman Returns when it came out yeah. where they kind of put Marlon Brando's face in. like he's so iconic to the movie franchise that you kind of can't escape that performance that he had
1: you will travel far
0: my little but
1: we will never leave you even in the face of our death the richness of our lives shall be yours all that I have all that I've learned everything I feel all this and more I I bequeath you my son
0: You will carry me inside you all the days of your life.
1: You will make my strength your own. See my life through your eyes, as your life will be seen through mine. The son becomes the father, and the father, the son.
0: Yeah, it's really... It's funny because I, I loved him as a kid. And then at a certain point as I learned more about Brando I, and heard that he originally uh, told Richard Donner, the director, that he thought that maybe he should be a floating green donut or bagel that spoke uh, rather than him appearing on screen. Um, I'm just processing that right yeah. now. <laughs> now, the, the it, I've heard the story multiple ways. One is one version of the story is that's what he really wanted because yeah. he didn't really like to be seen on screen anymore. Brando was an odd guy. And then later when Richard Donner, I heard him tell the story, he thinks that that was a test. Mm-hmm. And that Donner had to fight him, and that's where he earned a little bit of Brando's respect.
1: I wouldn't be surprised. Brando was very much an alpha in that way, very much a, a, a mischievous alpha in that way. Yeah. When you read his uh, biography or you watch his, uh, they just had a documentary last year that was released, which was uh, someone had compiled all his personal recordings and voicemails wow. into an hour and 45-minute documentary, and he's the only one narrating the entire thing through wow. his entire career. Uh, Okay. How is it? I got to see that It's fascinating. And because he had got, he had ahead of the curve, he had been ahead of the curve and had gotten himself a 3D. He'd been, he went to a 3D studio and made himself 3D and said, if anyone's going to control my image, I'm going to control my image. I don't want anyone to create me without my approval. So he went to one of these very nascent or, you know, startups, 3D startups and had a whole 3D Bust and figure made of himself, wow. and that who is that? That's who they animate at times, saying the words from his recordings right. and from his you know, from his voicemails that he left. That's on. a lot. It's fascinating. If you love Marlon Brando, it's certainly a completest thing that you need to watch because he takes you through. And Superman, he talks about how much he had looked down on it, how much he had thought it was a, a childish thing for him to be doing, but they pay him they were paying him so much that you know it was his way of doing, but him pushing the boundaries, it makes complete sense. Did the same thing on Moreau, did the same thing at times as he got older uh, in Apocalypse. It wasn't, Godfather was his most humble and then, then after while, yeah. I, I really just found out,
2: was it a green donut or a green bagel? Because I it's think very it's bagel. <laughs> I think it's a very I heard different bagel. performance. I think okay. that, then I'm thinking about it, it was bagel. And I feel like that's oh, okay. So he's Cause Jewish because it, so it brings in the Jewish, Jewish <laughs> thing. Yes, yeah, right. you know, I mean, it's just like it's, it's a really important distinction if we're really going to get into the nitty gritty on it. So, it's a fair yeah. point. I still like his performance as a Brando fan.
0: Just, so, that was it. Dis- still connects. The, connects the hair, connects the hair to Reeve. It is some solid hair. Um, it was funny rewatching it again. I actually like his performance a lot. Uh, also interesting, by the way, he refused to memorize lines. So he has lines. His dialogue is written on the baby's diaper, on props, on <laughs> everywhere so he can just read them uh, at the time. And his explanation was he wanted everything to be fresh.
2: You <laughs> so, to wonder why anybody thinks actors are crazy folks. Yeah, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, particularly, you know, the bigger you get the more weird and isolated the world you mm-hmm. occupy is. Yeah. Well, in the in this thing, just one last
1: reference to this interview, he talks about as he got older, he had trouble memorizing it. He was being honest about right. it. So if you see in the movie The Fury, he is, for no reason at all, he's wearing an earpiece. And it is because someone offset is, yeah. is reading him his lines in the scene. And he is having that pause and then saying the line, having pause and saying the line. And you're like, this is
0: amazing. <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah. You can get away with this. Yeah. Um, how about the designs of Krypton?
2: It's a nut- That's a really funny thing. It's you know, as a fan of sort of a lot of the uh, Superman TV shows of recent years, whether it be right. Smallville or Supergirl or anything, um, that's not the way that I picture Krypton in the comic book universe. Neither. But that is so iconic. Those crystals, yeah. the way they look at everything. You know, I mean, Krypton is not the way it's described in the comics, at least. Uh, and again when you say described in the comics over the years of comics Krypton has been described any number of ways but sort of my comic book reading and the way I picture it is Krypton was this lush planet that was very alive and vibrant Mm. and in the movie version it is this very cold desolate sort Mm. of crystalline place where everyone's wearing these robes and it's Interesting Uh, and then with Smallville, you know, they really carried that through in the way that they designed the Fortress of Solitude Mm -hmm. and in Supergirl right now on CBS Mm -hmm. when she goes to visit uh, Clark's Fortress of Solitude. It's very much in a similar vein, so it's interesting the way that that's become so iconic particularly because I think a big thing about Superman In kind of defining who he is, and when you, particularly when you compare uh, the Donner Superman to like Man of Steel, is Mm -hmm. the parentage. What is, what did he learn? What did he get? And what did he take from Krypton versus what did he get from the Kents? And it's very much a nature versus nurture kind of situation. And, you know, uh, Zack Snyder made some pretty big changes in that in his version. But I think, you know, what does it say about Superman in the Donner version that he came from this very cold, almost clinical place? to Earth, and mm-hmm. what 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 does his Krypton heritage mean to him versus what did he get out of growing up on a farm in Kansas? So I yeah. think it's it's interesting, and I don't know that they actually thought about that all the way through back in 78. I think they were like, let's just make this thing look cool and alien, <laughs> but it's an interesting thing to sort of ponder. In, in fact, they did. So one of the things they talk about,
0: because you're absolutely on the money, is that they they basically say the movie has three styles. That style one is this stark, science fiction, cold, unemotional thing mm-hmm. um and, and by the way they took it really seriously in terms of science, doing good science fiction mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. like we need to invent a completely new way that uh, a world works and if you watch i think it's amazing mm-hmm. it's pretty astounding that between the the design of the phantom zone which is really disturbing and the the big dome and the crystals and all it's like wow this is a and the glowing clothes this is a completely unique science fiction world mm. and then you go to smallville and it's bucolic Mm -hmm. You know, it's lush and slow and very middle America farm. And then you go to the big city and it is 1940s fast talking, like the style of there three styles of dialogue within the film. Mm -hmm. There's three different paces within the film. It is, it it is very conscious that they did it that way.
1: Yeah. My favorite, listen, I enjoy all three, uh, cause I enjoy the film, but my favorite, parts of the film are when he's a teenager. Those are, those are the ones that resonate with me more. I enjoy the the joy of him being Superman, but for me, it just resonates with me more. I love the fact that you have this cold, clinical Krypton that is devoid. You're right, devoid of emotion. It, it's Everything's crystallized. They're, they're all in white robes. You know, the villains are in black. You know, it's very, it's literally very black and white, you know, where you have the three villains and they're set into the Phantom Zone, Zod and all them. Uh, and then when you get to the uh, gets to high school it becomes almost uh, Norman Rockwell like right Right? everything is in this haze of like the good old days and the when people were solid and you had these things and yes you ha- he had to deal with those high school kids making fun of him but he also had Lana you know who was kind of grabbed but then he had his little moments of fun exploring his powers running against the train which is a great little cameo by the original actress who played Lois Lane in the George Reeves mm-hmm. TV show you see him jump across well, I remember I will forever that's one of my top 10 favorite scenes of any movie is him running against the train and jumping past just as it goes by because he's so much joy. That's,
2: that's so funny because so for me yeah. I love I love the stuff in Smallville. Mm-hmm. I love Krypton. I think it's really cool. But for me it's once he gets to the city. It's yeah. once he is Clark Kent, once he's at the Daily Planet because then just starting to see once he's become Superman. Yeah. It's and this is what this is like to me the thing that makes Superman Superman is watching the world React to this guy, yeah, who just doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense in what his abilities are. Doesn't make sense in the way he is. Doesn't make sense in just being this good guy and watching the world sort of react to this and not know what to do about it. Like that's where I start to really get super super excited and get really really into it. It, it, It's funny because one thing I think we have to talk about
0: uh, with this film is the pace. Mm. It's really slow. I, I, I just have to say it's a slow movie. Um, I really like it, and I love this film.
2: But in terms of the current uh, pace of films, mm. it is slow. And well, so that's what I was going to ask you, like, because I whenever I see a movie that was that predates sort of me going to the movies, and this was ju- this just edged out. I was, I was like a year old when it came out, so I didn't see it in theaters. I just chalk that up to every movie was around that slow. Every every movie had that kind of pacing. So mm. do you feel like that was slow even for then?
0: Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, mm. yeah, because if you look at, well, for instance, our last podcast was Touch of Evil. Yeah. Touch of Evil ain't slow. That's 20 years earlier than this film. Mm. Uh, Star Wars came out a year before this film. Good point. Um, the, oh, yeah. yeah I not mean, slow. It, it definitely movies sure. were slower. But it, just if you think of, it's a two and a half hour long movie. You do not see Christopher Reeve until 56 minutes in. Yeah. And the 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 and and at that moment, so the introduction we we've seen uh, Jeff uh, I forget his name who plays young uh, yeah. Superman, and we see him and then we he goes to the Fortress of Solitude and then we have the first image of Superman in the suit Christopher Reeve and it's on screen for eight seconds as he does this great flyby, and. The camera does not linger on him. We don't get a good glimpse. Mm-hmm. And then you withhold him again. And we get to introduce Clark Kent and Lois Lane and Perry White and all these people. And then it's not till an hour and 11 minutes that you have the helicopter scene mm-hmm. uh, where we actually get our first Superman moment. Mm-hmm. So we're halfway into the movie, an hour and 11 minutes in, before we get Superman. That is a very, very slow pace. You could argue with this film that it does... But when you look at the
1: segments of the film, and it's great that you say that, Steve, the three parts of the film. It is 1950 science fiction, old school. It is, the rock, next step is the Rockwell painting. Next step, it's the 70s, right? It's all, these are all evocative of certain times in American history. And when you watch the film, that's what you're getting downloaded and mainlined into your body before you get to Metropolis. What To me, the most powerful moment in the film now as I get older is the death of paul kent oh that's that, great which is uh played by cliff robertson if i correct glenn right? ford glenn ford i'm sorry glenn, i always get them mixed up yeah me too glenn ford he has that and it's a great day he just says oh no that's it and it's pain and it like it, i you know it just it, it now for me it resonates now as i've lost my dad that moment is so powerful and then when he is looking out i would say after he's been, when he goes out in the morning and he's staring at the sun That is very reminiscent to what Luke does when he looks at the double sons and and Tatooine. And then then we get into the comic book of the movie which is the 70s and that's so much fun. Well, and I
0: think so, first of all, Glenn Ford is so good, Yeah. he doesn't have a lot of lines. Nope. Maybe he has 10, 15 lines. And every one of them is so good. I mean, the moment of, one thing I know, son, is that you are here for a reason. Yeah, I know. You can do all these amazing
1: things, and sometimes you think that you will just go bust, unless you can tell people about it, huh? Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's right. I mean, every time I get the football, I can make a touchdown. <laughs> that's for sure. Every time. Yeah. I mean, is it showing off, and somebody's doing the things he's capable of doing is no. a bird showing off when it flies
0: no no now you listen to
1: me when you first came to us we thought that people would come and take you away because when they found out you know the things you could do and it worried us a lot but then the man gets older and he thinks very differently and things get very clear and there's one thing i do know son and that is you are here for a
0: reason I don't know whose reason. Whatever the reason is, you know, maybe it's because um,
2: I don't know. It's, uh, but I do know one thing:
1: it's not to score touchdowns. <laughs> huh? <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Dad.
0: Yeah. That sets so much the moral tone of what this character is going to be, and and it's interesting because I. Uh, You know, this obviously is a podcast about classic films and it's not necessarily talking about uh, more current films. But part of the reason we're doing this is Batman Superman just came out. Mm -hmm. We have Man of Steel. And it's interesting to me to compare Kevin Costner's death to Glenn Ford's death, Mm. because the idea that I think Hollywood frequently has is for things to be more powerful, they must be bigger, Mm. you know, and that therefore Kevin Costner dies in a tornado in an extremely big scene Mm -hmm. And the Glen Ford death is so much more moving
2: mm-hmm. Well, but me. also And getting to the core of Superman I mean, this is one of my uh, big things that I know We've discussed a lot yeah. Not on podcasts But right. in just real <laughs> life As we've been arguing in bars And I get very impassioned about it Sure, sure
1: um, I would say discussing
2: Aside from that the, the smallness of the death Versus the bigness and right. the hurricane It's also like There's the I know that you're here for a reason Versus Man of Steel's you should let people die so nobody finds out about you. Yep. Which is... is that, is that am, I, am I wrong? I think you're stripping away... No no, I, no, no, no. I, I, think, think that... I think the exact line from Man of Steel is, should I have let those people die? Maybe. Maybe.
1: Maybe. So he's not saying definite.
2: Well, but I mean, but I think, look, we can I'm argue the semantics Spider. of it. <laughs> we can argue the semantics of it all day long, but I think the key difference is that uh, in Superman mythos yeah. and in this movie in this in the Donner movie uh, his parents inspire him to your point like Krypton is this cold clinical scientific yes. place like that is not the place he didn't he didn't genetically inherit right. this amazing moral like he the whole and idea warm, of him being a Boy Scout yeah, he yeah. got because he grew up right. in this Rockwell-esque world which is what they were going for yeah. and And his father was a source of inspiration who said, you're here for a reason. And then, to your point, that drives him on that journey. He goes out, he gets to the city, and he's Mm -hmm. like, this is the reason that I'm here. This is what I'm here to do. Mm -hmm. And with Man of Steel, they took that entire thing and said, my dad told me to not do anything. And the movie is him overcoming that and deciding, oh, I guess I should help people. Which is the opposite of, I think, what is important about it and why I love the Donner version so much. Well,
0: And and just to reinforce what you're saying on that Kevin Costner thing is... First, he says, should I let those people die? Maybe. Right. Then in his death, the whole action of his death is Clark wants to save dad and dad says no. Right. That reinforces, don't save people. Your secret is more important than my life. See,
1: I, dis- I disagree and I want to be able to finish a sentence here. Uh, I want to be able to say this. The reason I disagree is because I think what he's doing is trying to protect his child. He is. He does not he know. He does he not know is. what the world is going to do to him because this is a different world. This isn't the 1970s world that this that the Superman we're is cool. talking about. Uh, this is a different world, and it's a more angry world. It's a more vicious world. It's a more hurtful world. It's a more dangerous world. And I think in the way I take what Costner is doing, the way they portrayed him, is that he's saying to him, "If you get exposed, something could happen to you. I don't know what could happen. I don't want to lose you. But I, and, 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 and if you come save me, you're going to show your powers to everybody and they're going to freak out
2: You are, you are 100% correct That's, that that's is, the way I look at it That is what he is saying yeah. But I think that What you need to get to And it's everything you just said Is what makes Superman Superman Absolutely Because You know And this this extends into That mm-hmm. very bizarre flash Not flashback That very bizarre vision quest That Clark has In Batman versus Superman Yeah Where the ghost of Kevin Costner Shows up and says If you save the horses In this farm The horses on the other farm Drown yeah. Or something It was very I don't quite know it's What was happening very strange um, but but there's like there's a there's a constant. Your dad is there to remind you that you maybe shouldn't be doing this. That you maybe right. are making the wrong choices. That that even if you help these people, someone else is going to suffer. Right. And the point about Superman is, and this is why, as I was saying, I love when he gets to the city in yeah. the Donna version because Superman inspires. Yes, and I think where these more recent Superman movies are. Our suffering is the common thinking in, in modern-day films, you know, your, your hero has to be tortured yeah. Your hero has to be conflicted. Your hero has to not know if he's doing the right thing and the hard part about Superman is in my opinion, mm-hmm. and you know, it's subjective yeah. it's sure. a comic book character, and he's had several different versions over sure. the years, but He's he's not conflicted and he's not conflicted because he grew up on a farm in Kansas in this Norman Rockwell world Where his parents told him how special he was right. and his parents told him that he had a gift and his parents told him that they might not have the answers, but that if he was true to himself, he would figure it out. Mm-hmm. And what he figures out is, this is the guy I am. And when he goes out, you're right. It is a it is a, horror, a a dark, cynical, yeah. crazy world. Um, but someone who's inspiring going out into that world is way more interesting than another guy who thinks the world is super bad because his dad told him so, not mm-hmm. knowing what to do. Well, and and, and the, the this thing that we have today
0: is, People go, oh well he has to be internally conflicted to be interesting. Mm. It's like, no, you can have external conflicts. Right. You can have Superman can be faced with extremely difficult choices, but that doesn't mean he's messed up on the inside. Right. And I think one of the things that we see, and, and it's definitely true in Batman and Superman, is that Batman Batman is more flexible in terms of what we will accept. And what works for him. Right. Because we can have the Adam West Batman and that can be okay. Yeah. And you can have the Frank Miller Batman and you can have the Tim Burton gothic sort of Batman and you can have the very practical Batman and you can have the Lego Batman. Yeah. And we're gonna go, that's cool. Right. Superman is delicate. Mm-hmm. You know, Superman there 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 is something and I think um I, I think what's interesting is that we is that to do the actual Superman character of Christopher Reeve. Both in the 70s, which yeah. the 70s was movies that were all internal conflict. Mm-hmm. That character is radical. Mm-hmm. It is the conflicted, internal, complicated Superman that we're seeing today. That is actually not radical. Yeah.
2: <sighs> Well, and okay. I think what's fascinating, and again, I know that we're not talking about Yeah, we to uh, get back to the modern movie. films, but I just want to say okay. this, is a, but this is an important point, particularly with, you know, Batman versus Superman having just come out and Civil War yeah. coming out, and, you know, we do live in the age of superheroes, but one of the things that a lot of people who worked on Man of Steel said, and a lot of people who love Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman are saying, you can't have that hero today. You can't have that hero who's just good and mm-hmm. good, good inside and has outward, out you know, conflicts on the outside to deal with, and yet Marvel with their Captain America movies has made better Superman movies than the Superman movies we have. Because Captain America in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is a guy who has these classic values and they don't shift and he believes what he believes and he is as much a Boy Scout as Superman ever was and he doesn't bend even though the world around him is just as screwed up and crazy and weird uh, and i think that's that's where they've been more successful i think mm-hmm. that warner brothers believes that they can't have that 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 people don't want that and i think that particularly in the world we live in today just look at our politics look at anything going on look at our you know the the foreign affairs or anything i think the world needs the inspiring superman who knows who he is a lot more than we need a conflicted superman. And Couldn't. I think that's why the Donner movie getting back to it yeah. still holds up as slow as it is and as cheeseball as some of the stuff is like, yeah. like we can get into the Gene Hackman Lex Luthor stuff which not one of my favorite parts of that movie <laughs> <Right>. but <laughs> Uh, I think that's why it still holds up because there's something that's just inspiring about Christopher Reed in that role. Well, and I think it relates to what people tend to misunderstand about Frank Capra movies,
0: which is that people go, oh yeah, Frank Capra is so corny. Those corny movies. If you look at the world of It's a Wonderful Life or Mr. Smith or Mr. Deeds or Meet John Doe, they are dark, dark, corrupt worlds that you insert a, uh, a character with classic moral values trying to do the right thing Into those worlds And the conflict Is between the internal What we want to be Idealized character Within that world And that is exactly What happens In the Superman movie Yeah
2: Yeah. I mean look As you said uh, When you introduced me I spend a lot of time With uh, purple and pink Pastel ponies (laughs) In my life Um, But you know My Little Pony Has become a very Popular franchise But I think it's Because of this thing I think that We we tend to think That things are corny And cheesy And nobody wants it But what we've kind of Found working on this show and, And seeing the bronies And everything else That happens is that uh, there's so little of that today. People actually really want something that is just pure and good that they can hold on to and say, "This is, this is inspiring. This is something to aspire to be." Yeah. Yep, absolutely. So let's talk about Christopher Reeve. Yes.
0: Um, so uh, first of all, the, they went on a they have they've cast Marlon Brando and Gene Hackman that allowed them to raise the money. Studio wanted them to have Robert Redford play Superman. Wow. Yeah. And Donner very smartly said, well, Robert Redford couldn't do it. But uh, as they're going after other stars of that era, Donner says, no, we need an unknown. Because nobody, cause if you put a known actor in that role, it'll be that actor playing Superman. And you need Superman. Right. And they had one of the two great uh, casting directors of all time, Lynn Stallmaster, uh, who cast The Graduate and Tootsie and mm-hmm. all sorts of fantastic movies. And they did this huge search. And And my wife, who is a casting director, would, n- would not forgive me if I didn't just say a few words about this. This is a, uh, a profession that is really disrespected in general in Hollywood. And there are these unbelievable people who find this great actor and become advocates for him. And he pushed Christopher Reeve over and over again, who at the time was like 6'4 and 180 pounds. He was skin and bones. And they said, we don't want to see him. We don't want to see him. He's too skinny. He doesn't look like Superman. He's, he looks like a wimp. And he pushed him. He pushed him. And finally, they get him in the suit, do a casting, uh, do a screen test. And the moment he, just, he does the scene with Lois Lane on the balcony, and the moment he jumps on and says, good evening, Miss Lane, they look at each other and goes, that's Superman. <laughs>
2: and he is. Yeah. Well, And that's why when you said what you said about the romance, my jaw dropped, because that scene to this day... What what
0: I'm actually reacting against is the flying scene.
2: Okay, we can all agree that that flying scene is a little much.
1: I don't understand. I don't have anything negative to say about this movie. Not one thing. I love Lex Luthor. I love the flying scene and the song that's played, the soft rock song that's played. I love the scene on the balcony. I love love the scene on the balcony. I love the scene on the balcony. We all love the scene on the the balcony.
2: Good evening, Miss Lane. Uh, hi. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you have plans this evening? Oh. Oh, this is the whole thing. No. Well, listen, it's no trouble at all for you no. to come back later. Don't move. Um, or, uh, <laughs> sure you can move. Um, just don't fly away, all right? Sorry to, uh, drop in on you like this, Miss Lane, but I've been thinking, you know, there must be a lot of questions about me that people in the world would like to know of, the answer. Of
1: course, yes. Uh...
2: Uh, You really shouldn't smoke, you know, Miss Lane.
0: Don't tell me, lung cancer, right?
2: Well, not yet, thank goodness. Um, um, would you like a glass of wine? Uh, No, no thanks. I never drink when I fly.
1: Because once we get into Metropolis, it is a comic book movie, and I take away my mind... The fact that it's trying to be a real movie, like a real, like a gritty movie or anything, but everything that it's led up to has, for me, laid the foundation for the movie. So by the time we get to Metropolis, it's let's have fun.
2: I think the way and, th-
1: until the lowest Lane
0: thing. I happens I think the at way the I feel
2: about Gene Hackman and Ned Beatty in this movie is sort of the way I feel about uh, Caesar Romero or or, or Burgess Meredith sure. in the '60s Batman show. A little bit. It's it's not that they're terrible. It's not mm-hmm. that I'm like this ruined the movie for me. Right, but. When I grew up reading comics, and particularly when I was really into Superman, Lex Luthor was head of LexCorp and running for president and was a very... A viable villain to Superman, right and Gene Hackman's performance is very entertaining, and Ned Beatty's great, but it's very cartoony. It's very silly. Right. It is um, definitely silly. They're really cool. good at it, by the and way. They're, and and that's thing they're doing it really well. Yeah, but the whole film is no, silly no, once I, we get to the Because Clark, I'm, and that's what I'm saying like when I yeah. say when I say I don't love the Gene Hackman stuff, it's not uh that's me looking at it from a modern day comic book fan's eyes. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, it, it doesn't take away my enjoyment of the movie, right. but I think that Christopher Reeve is so spot on as Superman, mm-hmm. and Mario. Kidder will forever be my lowest Lane I I don't I don't I think she is the gold standard we can go through all the lowest Lanes and talk about which ones I liked and which ones I don't but she is the one by which all the others are measured she is great yes and Gene Hackman is a super awesome Gene Hackman performance yes but is not my quintessential Lex Luthor
1: the West Coast as we know it would fall into the sea bye-bye California (laughs) hello new West Coast my West Coast Costa del Lex, Lutherville, Marina del Lex, Otisburg. Otisburg? Where's Tschm? She's got her own place, man.
0: Otisburg? It's a little bitty place. Otisburg? Okay, I just wipe it off. That's all. It's a little town. You're
1: a dreamer, Lex Luther. A sick, twisted dreamer. Your plan couldn't possibly work.
2: I'll admit there were a few problems. Adjusting the precise trajectory of the missile. Finding the optimum stress point for the fault line itself. Which, by the way, is uh, target zero right here.
1: Ooh.
0: What's interesting is the the Lex Luthor as businessman running for president, that didn't exist. Uh, no, Because that's all. not the Lex Luthor I grew up with. Right. The mad Scientist was he you, was right? More Mad Scientist. Yes. So this was closer to the Lex Luthor, but... My, I, I love watching him and Ned Beatty yes. because they're so good, particularly Ned Beatty.
2: Ned Beatty's am- I mean, yeah,
0: he is amazing. The performances are great, yes. and
2: even the music, the uh, the, the, the the March Tube- of the Villains yeah. that John Wayne, yeah. yeah. you know, yeah. that it's it's all it's all perfect for what it is. Yeah. It's just not, you know. But I think I think
0: it's, it's a, I think it's it feels like it's a different movie. It does. It doesn't fit in the movie. I think it's great. Hmm. I totally like it. But it seems a little, because they're doing all this effort okay. to take Superman more seriously. Not conflicted or gritty or anything, but just not silly comic booky. y uh, the, the, By the way, the, if, if you could see the writhing that Roka is doing right now. Go ahead.
1: I know we're not talking about the technical aspects of the movie, so if, but if we're arguing the movie, like to me, he, Clark is comical. So therefore, he's funny. so therefore, Lex works. Clark is comical. Clark, everything Clark does is ridiculously goofy. Well, let's all and agree, so, first of all,
2: we're all arguing aspects of a movie that we all three have already admitted we love. Yes, fair. So nobody's disliking That's right. The that's movie. right. I'm right. just saying,
1: I don't think Lex Luthor is out of place because Clark's goofiness keeps Lex Luthor in the movie. They're both equally incorrect in their portrayal of the characters they're portraying to the essence. I don't know. I think the there's fact, a subtle difference. I don't think Clark Kent's this goofy guy who falls over himself. I think he's he's a mild mannered reporter. That's what he is. Mild mannered. He's not a goofy, clumsy, idiot reporter. Well, here's but they where they play think... it that way to juxtapose. Actually, you know, Superman no, in his full force here's, here's where, where Luther like think... is played goofy. But when he's mean, when he's vicious, he's vicious. Is he? When yes. When is he vicious? When he's yelling at Test Marker. When he's trying to get the, He's trying to get a nuclear warhead. A
2: nuclear warhead. That's nothing a goofy guy does. Yeah, but it's
0: treated in a, it's treated in a. Isn't this funny he's, that we're doing a comic booky movie except, way?
2: Except, wait, he he has a nuclear warhead that he wants to knock land off of for real of estate America. purposes. Yeah, but he
1: still wants to destroy families and land and kill people off the coast of California. <laughs> you are
2: for Otisburg, Otisburg. But but he's doing. Here's it. Actually, here, here's what I'll say. I think what's interesting, and maybe it's a perspective thing, and I think it's about the mm. portrayal of Clark Kent that you said that I think is interesting, which is here's the difference. Christopher Reeves' portrayal of Clark Kent, yeah. whether it was goofy or not at the time, and whether it fit who Clark Kent was, yeah. was so defining mm-hmm. that even Absolutely. in the comic books, Clark Kent became a little bit more like that over the years. Like by the time no. I got to comics, right. I look at Christopher Reeves' performance and it I go. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Because, but not because they were making sure it was what the comics were. It, he is so iconic. Yeah. Margot Kidder is so iconic that years and years and years and issues and issues of comics. You know, as particularly as fans of the movie grew up and became writers mm-hmm. and artists mm-hmm. and everything else, became that Gene Hackman's performance as Lex Luthor. Not iconic. Did not inspire people. Lex Luthor went off in his own direction. And I'm not saying... it's. It, yeah, it, yeah, like, yeah. I'll get away from right or wrong because we can all have our opinions mm-hmm. on it. But I think what's interesting is the things about the Superman movie that became so... Like I was saying about the portrayal of the Fortress of Solitude right. that is now reflected in modern day Superman and Supergirl shows. Like There's aspects of this movie that became so iconic that they became infused into the comics and are looked at as canon. Yes. And there's things that are not. Right. And Lex Luthor's performance in that movie... While a great Gene Hackman performance, and whether or not it fits perfectly in the movie or not, we could discuss all day, did not infuse the world of Superman the way that uh, Margot Kidder and Christopher Reeve did. But I would absolutely that just like you said
1: about Margot Kidder being Lois Lane, there is no better Luther than Gene Hackman so far. There is no better Luther than Gene Hackman. Kevin Spacey did not come close to him, and neither does uh, Jesse Eisenberg. Well, it's I still interesting. Think he is the best Lex Luthor we've seen on film.
2: Kevin Spacey's interesting because just like everything in Superman Returns, mm-hmm. uh, you know that that movie is like it or not like it. Uh, Brian Singer's attempt to just basically give a love letter to Richard Donner. It's right. basically almost the same movie, and Kevin Spacey's performance, what he's doing is, I'm going to build a bunch of land, yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, a real yeah. estate scheme. Right, like there, yeah. and that is not an accident. Like they were clearly right. going for that. So he is sort of like living in Gene Hackman's shadow, not only in his performance, but literally in what his character is portrayed as, right. and then we could spend a whole other podcast yes. on yeah. on Jesse Eisenberg. The, the, and... uh, so let's go.
0: Yeah. that's. I, we'll just stay away from Jesse, Jesse yeah. Eisenberg. Um, Christopher Reeves, both as Clark Kent and Superman are so great. And one thing yeah, I yeah. meant to say before, when I was talking about the pace of the film, yes, they delay a long time before you see them. Uh, yes. I think it's a little too long. The delay is great mm-hmm. because what you're doing is you're building up expectation for Superman. Yep. So that when we finally see him, First when we and and we get Clark Kent really before we get Superman and so so when you finally see him there's such a release of of all that expectation and it's done so well um, and, and the and the character of Clark Kent is so surprising and mm-hmm. so funny and so well played and one of the things that I found interesting watching Christopher Reeve because he's a young actor yeah. you know he's so loose. Is, he's so relaxed. So he confident. He doesn't try to do too much. Yep. Particularly as Superman, he just—this is what I'm saying—in yeah. in, in a straightforward way. It's really impressive.
1: Yeah, I would say so. I uh, absolutely agree. Like for, that's why I, I don't put it down at all. Like I said, I his performance is what keeps me. What keeps Hackman in the film for me, the whole thing in Metropolis. Is all played as a comic book movie. That's the me. It's a comic. What do you mean book. by that? What does that I mean? mean by that it feels like movie? a comic, an issue of the comic book, a classic issue of a com, of the comic, the old school action comics, Superman comics. There's not everything is played for not as serious as you think it is. When when Lois is getting mugged, he's getting mugged by someone that looks like they just stepped out of Studio Fifty Four, and the shot he catches the bullet, he he, he, he pretends to faint, which is brilliant. I mean that's so brilliant, but that's something you'd see in a comic book to try to, to delude, uh, try to uh, delude Lois that he's this like you know it in, reinforces his, this think, idea that no, he's I think, this. I think I think, I think you're it right. It goes through the whole, but it goes through the whole thing to the end. It isn't until the end. This is what I'm trying to get to. It isn't until the end that the seriousness, the we get the call back to the to the Clark Kent from Smallville. We get the we get the seriousness that we had the foundation built already from the first two acts of the film that we have him. Hold Lois. Lois is dead. Scream with a ferocity that uh, that you did not see coming at all from that Superman. Among and, the and great the, primal screams in film, I absolutely. Think. But you can't. Ach- you don't achieve Along with that. Con. Sc- oh, is. I right. mean, well, obviously, obviously. But you don't achieve that scream without having the foundation of what happens to seeing his dad die in front of him and the pain he has at that cemetery with his mom, and then when he's staring out into the sun, there is a foundation of a. Of a, of, of a man who has suffered and has chosen to do the right thing and be this icon for everyone else And in that moment when he loses Lois he becomes the real Clark Kent from Smallville again
2: Well, and I think that's what's interesting. I actually I actually understand what Johnny's saying about uh, It being a comic book movie because he is right that once you get there um, The the mugging scene his whole night on the town where you yeah. see him doing his stuff like it's all very low stakes and that's part of the fun of it. Yeah. He, it's so easy for Superman. Yes. Uh, you know, it's like it's he kind of like flies through, and he he. This is this is a breeze for him. He can handle stuff that the cops couldn't handle, that nobody could right. handle. Um, even even the helicopter scene, which which gets a little intense and can be you know like Lois is definitely in peril. Right. When he shows up and gets her, like it's, it's a joke. He's he's good. He says the he's jokes. easy. And right. even like Sleuther is easy. And it's and it's what's interesting is and this is why I think regardless of. Yes, it's a nuclear warhead. Yes, he's going to go destroy mm-hmm. things. That's even treated as not a lot because Absolutely. because it's not the threat to America. It's not the threat to the land that pushes Superman over the edge. He actually mm-hmm. handles those rockets relatively yeah, well. He it's, does. it's nothing's hard for him except losing Lois. Yes, and I think that's where the heart of this movie comes in, and I think that that's why. Lois and Clark are, you know, one of the all-time best, and it's because of these two. It's because of Christopher Reeve and Margot Kidder, because that's the heart of the movie. Like, you're right, it it is an interesting thing when you think about it, because it is all pretty low stakes once you get to... It's fun as Mm -hmm. hell, It's fun, but it's pretty low stakes, and then that happens, and it's just like this shock of reality. And then, you know, he gains a new superpower and spins around the world and turns back time. For me, The Scream that he does here
1: at the end mirrors a scream and I'm not, we're not going to get too deep into this that happens in Man of Steel. When he snaps Zod's neck in Man of Steel and screams, He is screaming for the death of his dad. He is screaming, he's allowing to re- he's allowing the release that we never saw and in the scream in 1978 in this Superman when Lois dies on him, it is the anger and the scream he could not yell when his father died. It is the loss of someone he loves again this deeply, this close to him and he lets it all I, out in I, this rage. I could not
2: agree with you more on the Superman Donner version <laughs> yes, and agree with you less on the Zack Snyder version. Uh, I, it's beautiful. I, I think they're and done if, as and a and mirror. If, and I would say that if, uh, if the people working on man of steel had put half as much thought into that as you just did in what you said, I think that movie would be a lot different. Ooh, so that's, that's all I'll good. say on that front.
0: Okay. Yeah. The, uh, I, I want to go to talk a little bit about Lois. <laughs> yes. Um, because I, I think in a weird way, uh, and this is a thing that's come up before in the podcast is the damsel in distress is always a thing that yeah. these movies struggle with the older movies yeah uh, not just the older movies well sure Fair um, uh, and I think in a weird way uh, even though Lois clearly is in distress multiple times in this movie it, this movie skirts that issue because her character is so fascinating mm-hmm. and not just that she's tough and a strong woman um, but that she is goofy and complicated and flawed and funny and insecure and all of these things mm-hmm. in addition to her tough and brashness that makes her just go out of that category and you understand why Clark Superman is so fascinated by her
2: uh no I was just gonna say I mean I think that's what's great I mean I think that a lot of times the movies fall into this trap uh of of the the woman is either going to be sort of just this sort of Stock woman who needs to be rescued, or she's going to be the super tough woman who yeah, you exactly. don't fuck with, and she's going to rescue herself, and I don't need a guy to rescue me. Right. And 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 guys are allowed to be whatever you know. Guys right. in movies are allowed to be flawed and crazy and screwed up and have issues. And Lois Lane is a mess in yeah. so oh, yeah. many ways, mm-hmm. and she's a delightful mess. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. she's crazy and and it's talented awesome. and
0: brilliant yeah. and
2: stupid and,
0: and foolhardy. Yeah,
2: and again, it's just. She's this person and, and you know, it almost is like it's the opposite. Superman is so cool and calm and he's got his stuff together and the silliness of Clark Kent is the facade. Like he's just right. this guy, uh but but this woman is just it's she's the full package for him. She doesn't need him. He needs her. Yep.
1: Yeah. She 100%. doesn't need him. And that's what I enjoy about her performance. She's literally the physical embodiment of the word moxie. That entire movie—it's <laughs> a—it's—it's a, it, that's—and that's what I'm—and and again, when I say it's a comic book movie, that last part—it's not a derogatory thing to right. say about the movie. Sure. I'm not saying. That. She's very much the old school screwball comedy. My husband, My Absolutely. Girl Friday. She's playing those. things. She's playing that part. You know, she ignores Clark. She's when she's going on. Yeah, Clark, do this. Yeah, I got to do this. Well, she's. Oh, and then when Clark faints. Oh, you fainted. Oh, Clark. You know, there's all these things. Oh, you miss everything. It's just the way she puts him down. It's a very affectionate way that he put that she puts him down. But it's still very much in that vein of the old school. You know stuff from the 40s, women from the 40s in a lot of these films, 40s, 50s. And
0: I think the thing you have to remember is that despite all of his powers and all the stuff he knows, Clark's a small town guy. Yep. And his his mom and the women that he knew and the life that he grew up with are totally different from Mm -hmm. Lois Lane. That's Lois why she fascinates Lane, him. That's yeah. why she fascinates him. She and she is she is an endlessly fascinating person.
1: Yeah, and it's a great portrayal. I mean, it's just a great portrayal from beginning to end. She is so good at being Lois Lane that yeah. no, I don't. I don't know if we'll ever see anyone that can really embody that character
0: so well from from toes from head to toes. Um, there's a moment with Christopher Reeve that I just, is, just think is such a sign of a good actor, and it's it's so what he does in this scene is so complicated which is mm-hmm. it's the moment after he's had the flying scene with Lois he shows up as Clark and he takes his glasses off and Lois is in the other room and he's making the decision mm. maybe I'm going to reveal myself to her right. and you see him literally grow three inches and his whole body changes yep. and then you see him shrink and you see the debate happen back and forth so and great. then him deciding no no I have to stay at Clark yeah. it's amazing acting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. agreed agreed and that's that's
1: what and that's why I enjoy the flying thing because it's an extension of their interview. To me, it's all it's all connected. This, the interview is so beautiful. He takes her on the flight because it's an extension of the interview. It's extension of the effect, the growing affection. He's showing her his world. Yeah, you hear that song, you know? Can you Can read, read my mind? mind? And, and, and heard the voiceover, you know, which is a little cheesy. I agree, but I'm going to say it's more than a little cheesy. <laughs> Fair, but this is the '70s, and they're trying to evoke an uh a Boy Scout Superman. And if you've got a Boy Scout Superman, he's going to be able to break down the... A modern woman at the time with his charm and his charm. Is that what Boy Scouts can do? Well, I i didn't I, get that I, merit I, badge. I think a, I think a lot, a lot it of it would people, have been really useful. You know, just it seems like that's what that's what I got from it. And when he's flying around with her, he's she's letting her guard down, and she's having this these thoughts about him that she has not shown
2: any vulnerability to anyone else in the entire movie. But it, and it's the first time I we think, see but that. I think, and I think that just gets back to this core thing. It about gets Superman. her more rounded character too. Uh, you know, whether it's him him. Uh fighting against a villain, saving a cat in a tree, whatever, but yeah. you're right, like everything that she represents in her complicated chain smoking, thinking that she knows everything, fast talking, ignoring people is, she represents that, that modern person in that modern city who yeah. doesn't have time for stuff, who actually has grown a little shell around herself, who is a little hardened, who right. isn't going to let people in because you know that when you live in the city, you don't let people in. Yeah, They, you can't trust people. And then this boy scout comes along and he's right He because he's got those he's, he's, so, pure. he's so, so pure she can't he's so innocent he's so good she doesn't know what to do with mm-hmm. it and him on the other side he's never senior he grew up in Smallville yeah. everyone was like him he comes to the city and here's this person who is just complicated and strange and why are you doing these things that you're doing mm-hmm. and he's so drawn to that and I think that's you're right He needs her, but she represents the world that needs Superman, that needs that hero that disarms them so much that they're willing to let their guard down. For all his powers, she's the alpha in the relationship. For all his powers...
1: She's oh yeah, I absolutely. And I love that. I love that. That's what the that's what makes the movie. It's so in a way it's so revolutionary for its time even at 1978.
2: I've had the love theme from Superman playing over and over <laughs> in my head right now.
0: <laughs> I uh, I I think I think with the flying scene, I I actually cannot get away from the 10-year-old boy who saw that in the movie theater mm-hmm. and went Oh, come on. Let's get back to the Superman stuff. It's totally, totally being the kid from the Princess Bride and wanting to skip the kissing (laughs) parts, you know? And I think that's always haunted me. Also, one question about it. So, again, I watched it again last night. We have first he's holding her in his arms and then they're holding forearms and then they're holding wrists and then they're holding hands and and then they're holding just little pinky and then she slips out. Yeah. Does he drop her on purpose? No, I think he's
1: caught. up. In my opinion, I think he's caught up in the moment. I mean, it's the first time Superman's experiencing this. Clark Kent's experiencing this, and so I think in the moment, but he he's got to know. He just that, like, well, she can't fly. You know, I think when you're young, you make mistakes. I don't know. I,
0: I'm going to go
2: with Johnny on this. Like,
1: who,
0: <laughs> who knows the real reasons for a lot he of things in that and goes, You're okay. It's like a classic. No, oh, I'm, I rescued you again. Yeah. See, I mean, I, you know, I don't think it's that. <laughs> oh, except, except, you know what? You know where?
2: You know where I could argue that it would be is because there is this idea that. Um, in this aspect I mean here's this guy Who can You know Literally Turn back time yeah. You know can, He's faster than a speeding <laughs> bullet More powerful than a locomotive But holding a girl's hand He's really got a crush on He, he maybe yeah. And and that little kid Who does want to impress the girl Might actually Let her go, let her go yeah. Because he knows maybe. She's not really in danger He's Superman Yeah Right Maybe But man What a baller move It's a baller <laughs> yeah, move Yeah, yeah. Total and Totally got works. You, I, got you, girl. Works. I, I got you girl I got you girl Who's got
0: you Um the uh, one of the things that's so interesting with his character, and again, it goes back to why this is the essence of Superman to yeah. me, is he's polite to everyone. Mm-hmm. He's polite to the bad guys. He's polite to Miss Tessmacher yep. He's polite oh.
2: at every moment. By the way, on that front, I mean, we'll get to it. But that Miss Tessmacher scene with her, with him and her at the end, where she's like, "You always okay. tell the truth," is one of my. Yeah, it's one yeah. of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. Please, you can't. You can't just stand there. You can't just stand there and let innocent people, millions of innocent people, die. Maybe. Please, please help me to save them.
1: If I help you, do you promise to save
0: my mother first?
2: And Laura, sir, Jimmy.
0: Oh, but my mother comes first. If you promise me, I believe you because you always tell the truth.
1: I promise, I promise, I promise
2: why did why did you kiss me first
1: if i didn't think you'd let me later thank you Miss knocker why is it i can't get it
2: on with the good guys
1: valerie prine what is she doing in this movie and she makes it work it, it's great. It, she has no business being in this movie, and she makes it work. That character works. Everything, every interaction she has with either Luther or with Ned Beatty or with uh, Superman really works.
0: And, and, you, and again, you go to the character of he gave his word, and therefore that's how he's got to do. Yeah, it. yeah, because his word is important, right? And, and and again, I go back to this is the radical character. Mm-hmm. That's why we have to have this yeah. character
2: today because he doesn't fit. Yeah, and that's why Captain America is so awesome. And Superman right now is not as fully embraced by all of the fan community (laughs) as some other characters on the screen right now. Let's not go down that path again. (laughs) What I would say is uh, in the Tess Mocker scene, what's so
1: great is that he doesn't save himself. She, he has to rely on, you know what I mean? He has to talk to her and speak his truth and say like... You know, I will save your mom. You just—I promise. I mean, you just got to take this off me because she'll die. He'll but,
2: die. And but that, in that but way, that's Luther also being vicious. He doesn't care that Desmokker's. But in that way, he does save himself. I mean, that's that's oh, right. really the verbally. Yes but, yes, but I mean, yes, yes, you're yes. you're right. He. I mean, but it's like it's it's the idea that um, and this is this is the thing about Superman. Again, yeah. is it's not it's not uh his impenetrable skin and the fact that he can fly as fast as he can and and do all the things he can do. Yeah, that's not what makes him super. And you're right, like that moment nails it. He can do all that, but you know, you get some kryptonite on him, he's going down. yeah. He does save himself there because of who he is. You're right, because he can be trusted. Yes, because if he says something, he's Superman, and that means it's true. right. and And the fact that even the bad guys know that about him, like yeah. that's what really makes him super.
1: And it correlates to what you said earlier he inspires her to be better. Mm-hmm. Even though she's with the villain, she's done the evil stuff, she's tricked those people to steal the warhead, the military people to steal the warhead, he inspires her. And what's
0: what he's supposed to do. Inspire. And, and he doesn't give up on her. No. Nope. Part of why he's inspiring... Yes. Is that he doesn't treat anybody, including bad guys, right. as if they are hopeless. Yeah. He treats them as if they're humans who have hope and can do good. And he expects them to do good and changes people around there. It's just what you said, Mike. Yeah. It's by his personality, mm-hmm. by who he is as a person, not his powers. And you see him respecting her as her dad probably taught,
1: as his dad probably taught him to respect women. Like he does not no, call yeah, her totally. a name. He does not talk down to her. He does not, he, be, he appeals to the angels of her
0: better nature yeah this argument that we're too cynical today if you look at the 70s and the films of the 70s they would have said the same thing then yeah in fact I would say the films of the 70s are in many ways more cynical than the films of today are films of today become more cartoony yeah and to say to say therefore we cannot afford to have an aspirational character is to me a tremendous mistake Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we don't have to think he's realistic we can still aspire to be like him yeah
1: I think that's what Michael says about Captain America is absolutely true. I think Captain America, if this film, which we're going to see uh, when we're recording this, we're going to see it tonight, if it's as good as everyone says it's going to be, Mike's already seen it, if it's as good as everybody says it is, it may be the greatest trilogy, superhero trilogy, and then can be talked about as one of the best trilogies ever on film, irregardless of genre. And that's because of the inspiration of this
2: character. Well, and I think that gets back to... You know, you asked me at the very beginning, like, you know, what was my introduction to Superman, why I like him. And, you know, what you were talking about, about when you were growing up, teachers taking away comic books, it was looked at as childish. And I think that I think that a lot of times what the people who don't get what's great about this mm-hmm. world of comics and superheroes, they're only looking at the surface. They're like, oh, it's wish fulfillment because you want to have... Huge muscles chiseled abs and you want to be able to like throw a car over your head or you want to be able to like shoot laser beams out of your eyes and like that's all great but that's Mm -hmm. the candy on top like what really makes these characters our modern day myths and heroes are the things that they do that we can aspire to yeah I as much as I would like to cannot fly (laughs) I mean, I've had a few nights at Burning Man where I thought I was flying, but I actually can't do it. (laughs) But I can be honest, and I can treat everybody kindly, and I can do a lot of things that Superman does do that are actually the things that make him super. And I think that's where this Donner version, to this day, as slow as it might be, as dated as it might be in some ways, still nails Superman in a way that very few... Other versions of Superman have right,
1: absolutely. I
0: couldn't agree more.
1: I also I love the wink in the film too. When we get to the section of Metropolis, like the whole where he looks at the phone booth and doesn't go in there to change, the right Cause it's such a great uh, call to the comics. But also, like when he comes out, even the with the I don't know what that black guy was. If he was a pimp, or if he was like just a he's got a, a smooth, but he's got something going on there. But he steps out and he says, he says dang, look at your outfit, right? And he goes, excuse me a second, right? He's not disrespectful, he's not, he just does that. And then he takes off and he's like, hey, man, look, at, and it's it's all played for great laughs. There are 70s, there's a great yeah. 70s laughs because it's all played for the moment of what you believe in. Yet, and then he spins down and goes down into the thing. He takes the bullets, he takes the fire, he takes the ice. He walks through all of that without breaking a sweat, without revealing any kind of... Uh, uh, a feeling of anger about the situation, right? And that's what I enjoy about the film throughout the whole thing is that ending, is uh, that last part is it's all a great wink to those of us who love the character and grew up with the character. It's a great homage to that character, you know? And when he does, and we, we should get to this, I think. I mean, this, we should talk about the score at some point, too. I know we're running out of time. Like, we the most amazing it,
2: score it ever. Really, it, it really is. is.
0: In addition to the Superman yeah. theme, which... Uh, By the way, I watched this movie with my five year old a couple of days ago. Mm -hmm. He was in it 100%, and Superman's big in our family. And we would play the Superman theme on the stereo, and he would wrap his baby blanket around his neck, and we would fly, and I would have one around mine, and we would fly around my house. (laughs) So that theme is big. Geek
2: parenting moment. You're right.
1: And what you brought up earlier the score for the villains is great well, all of and that the is love great, theme. And it's the great. Love I remember theme, yes.
2: uh, you know John Williams several times once a year he usually does like a, a concert at the bowl where he yeah. plays some of his uh, yeah. most some of his iconic like all of his iconic themes they're yeah. all iconic but uh, one of my favorite moments living in Los Angeles that I can think of was sitting at night at the Hollywood Bowl Uh, just staring up into the stars as he played the love theme from Superman and it was like just a moment I was just transported like it was just one of the most perfect moments of life
0: You. Absolutely, lifts you. Does it it's lift amazing. you up
2: where we belong? Oh no, that's a different movie. But oh, okay. it does lift
0: me up. <laughs> uh, I want to go. I want to go back to something that Mike <laughs> said before. Is I think the idea of Superman is we we kind of go. Oh well, he can do anything. Yeah, and he's got no internal conflict, so his life must be easy. And that's the mistake. Is that yes, he can do anything, and yes, he has an unbelievably strong moral core and sense of himself. And his life is not easy. Mm-hmm. You watch him as Clark Kent. You watch him in love with Lois Lane, and knowing he can't reveal his secret identity. You watch him as Superman having to make these difficult choices, and it's hard. Yeah. It, even though he can do anything.
2: Well, and I think that's the that's the trick that most people today don't realize is that in the world we live in today, being cynical and conflicted is easy. Yeah. Yeah. Being a stand-up guy who always does the right thing. And has the power to be a crazy dictator, but doesn't do it like doing the right thing all the time That's way harder than anything yeah. that John McClane or anyone else yeah. has had to do in movies I mean, you know, like that's that's tough. Yeah, yeah. And, and it doesn't mean that he's gonna
0: have the happiest life He's not gonna get mm-hmm. everything that he wants I mean, look be- at Superman three and four <laughs> <laughs> Good point. I mean, I mean, um, right. uh, John, do you have final thoughts?
1: Yeah. Well, just we haven't even touched on him turning the world. Like, yes, we should touch on that for like a couple of minutes, and then and then we can. Do, but like, what do you? I, I liken it to this next snapping moment in Man of Steel. I think it was just as controversial <gasps> back then. The fact that he could turn back time against Jor El's wishes. Uh, and then, and bring low and selfishly bring Lois back to life. This is an interesting moment because it's, it's an interesting moment. So, it's such an interesting so moment. So here's what
2: I'll say. Because I, again, just, I love arguing with you about Man of Steel <laughs> so much. Because <laughs> you know I like uh, it. <laughs> the, just from a structural standpoint. Yeah. Where I will disagree with you is, we all know that Superman doesn't kill. So when he did snap Zod's neck, that was a big deal. Right. That's Even not. Even though he has killed. But yeah, let's keep going. That is not established in the movie. Fair. Properly. So when they say, oh, it was this moment because we know he doesn't, like that's something. They're they're taking the audience's assumptions, but not actually putting it into the story. And that's where I have a challenge with just the storytelling. If there had been a, I don't kill in act one, and then he did the moment, great. But they didn't. It just happened. Right. Uh, and so that's where I would argue with that. Now, I think what's great about the time, look, the turning back time is an inherently cheesy thing. And here's why it works. It's exactly what you were saying before. Everything else in the movie is low stakes. Yeah. He's got everything pretty easy. Jor-El tells him specifically something he cannot do. Right. Dad said, don't do this. And again, this gets to the, what I learned in Smallville versus what I learned in Krypton. Dad from cold clinical sci-fi planet said, here's the rules, kid. You can't do this. Right. Mom and dad in Smallville in Norman Rockwell land told me I was here for a reason. And if you're looking at the movie structurally, nothing else that he does up to that point is really hard. Like, mm-hmm. he is there to help everyone. Except, he is there except to save. he couldn't save dad, which I think is directly connected to it Lois. Is. Once again, yeah. Again, so like that this, is where, is-, this yeah. is where, not even arguing with Man of Steel whether they got Superman right sure, or wrong, sure. just from a pure like laying out the movie and the foundation. Right. He couldn't, he didn't save dad. He couldn't save dad. Right. And then there's this other person. And to your point from before, which is mm-hmm. really great, everything else was so easy. And then this primal scream that we are not expecting comes out. And that's why even though the whole turning back time is kind of cheesy and doesn't make a whole lot of sense, right. you go with it because emotionally, he's like, I'm Superman. And again, that's gets to the Superman is going to do anything he can. He will turn back time right. to help you particularly if you're lois lane and i think that's where as cheesy as it sort of is and as, as much of you're like wait he did what now <laughs> you go with it because it's a beautiful moment and getting back to margo kidder and then when 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 it's all fine and she's good she's lois lane about it yeah. what are you even doing here let's go you know like it's like it's mm-hmm. like it's like she, she doesn't even realize like what had ha- it's, it's just it's awesome
0: yeah, yeah i i it, like personally i wish as a as a movie device that they'd come up with something other than turning back time because right. it is cheesy. Um, I also, the, the difference with the snapping of the neck to me is that while both turning back time we've heard is against the rules and we know snapping of the neck is against the rules. There's a big difference between a killing a dude and changing time, which we don't really, it's not really a real thing to save someone's life. Right. It, they're just different. Um, I, I, I do think I think it works for the movie. It's not a thing that I love. It's always been sort of a... Particularly because the more you think about it, like, well, wait, what? when did he turn back time to? And what about right. the other things that happened in the earthquake? And right. what has happened and what hasn't? Like, Jimmy's still... It's very hard to
2: figure it, out. It, it, like, it, it. You're right, and it's just from a logic thing. You're kind of like, wait, what now? But it's like I said, like, for me, watching it as a kid and watching it today, because that love between Lois and Clark is something that, as the sappy gay kid watching the movie i was like yes (laughs) uh that's what i want in my life so like even if it doesn't make sense like the fact that he's like i'm going to turn back time for you because you are the most important thing and i need you yeah you know i need you so badly in my life like i'm sold i don't even care do whatever just that moment that moment just gets me
1: uh here's the two things i have to say a i would argue it's the most human moment of him in the film as superman it's the sure. most human moment 100% because yeah, a human absolutely. would do that to save the love of their life and the second thing I would say about it is I love that let's not forget that Donner was making one and two at the same time and the fact that he made the turning back time have a consequence which released uh, you know Zod and the other two people. I always forget their names from the Phantom Zone Ursa. Causes, or, or, yeah, Ursa Ursa and, and Non Non yes uh, and causes Superman 2 I don't to don't remember happen. Right, and causes Superman 2 to happen. So there are uh, ramifications to what he did. And so the, that, that that to me, uh, achieves a validity to the turning
2: back. When team. I was a kid, I always got very confused as to why they were trapped in an album cover. <laughs> it's a really bad, a 70s, really album. bad 70s album cover. <laughs> um, That's for the next podcast, Superman yeah, 2. Next um, week on the Phantom Zone. Uh, <laughs> on
0: that note, Mike, do you have any final thoughts?
2: Uh, not just you know thank you guys so much for having me I obviously uh, could talk about Superman and superheroes all day long so this was a blast and uh, I really had a great time
1: yeah thanks for coming on Michael Uh, my final thoughts are this if you haven't if you haven't seen the movie in a long time and our podcast has motivated you to revisit it do it enjoy it tell us your comments let us know what you thought and uh, yes it's cheese ball yes it's all that jazz but there's a heart to it that you're not gonna find in a lot of superhero movies, in a lot of movies, period.
0: We we definitely would like to hear your comments. You can visit our Facebook page at the Cinephiles. And uh, and if you want to uh, give us your opinions on Batman v Superman, we'll we'll address them there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, you can reach me at SR Morris on Twitter. You can read my blog at a civilvoice.com. Yes. Uh, Roka, where can they meet you? You can always find
1: me at the Roka Says, R O C H A. You can see all the shows that I'm hosting or co hosting, like this one, or all the shows I'm a guest on over on the Collider, uh, Shmozno and Screen
2: Junkie Networks. And, and Mike, how about you? Uh, you can check me out at, at MKToon on Twitter. and You can check out some awesome My Little Pony love there. Uh, Some serious,
0: serious My Little Pony action at MK2. All right. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed this uh, week's episode of The Cinephiles, and we will see you next time.